0: And, you know, I, I would be covered head to toe in concrete and dyes and everything and, you know, have to make a run into the bank and all my former employees at the bank would see me <laughs> and they're like, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> well,
1: hi, this is Stephen with uh, the Digital Hustle Show, with Burkhart Creative Agency, and I'm super excited to bring to you Jeff Heggy today. Um, He brings a lot of experience building businesses, uh, both uh, in the manufacturing space, the distribution space, and uh, life coaching, writing books. We've done it all. So I'd love to hear kind of just a little bit about your story, about like how you started um, and just kind of just a big big picture view of kind of your journey.
0: Sure. Thank you. Appreciate you having me here. Um, You know, since I was a kid, I always wanted to do my own thing, you know, had my own little Ventures I like the entrepreneurship thing and I actually in in school. That was my major was entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and absolutely loved it um, My hardest part in school was staying in it um, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I rodeoed professionally and you know I'd get to the end of the semester and my brother would give me a call and say hey Do you want to go to Texas this winter and rodeo and there was my next semester of school? It wasn't happening <laughs> and so right we uh, but I finally uh, got focused and got in a business program and with the entrepreneurship major and absolutely loved it. And while I was doing that, I was working in a bank and again, the rodeo came into play there because when I finished finished my schooling, the bank offered me a full-time position and Mm. I turned it down saying, no, I'm gonna go rodeo. Right. (laughs) But through the course of the next six months or so, I was doing the rodeo. I was doing everything. It was going great, but I was also had a kid on the way and uh-huh. started thinking, "Hey, maybe maybe I need to start growing up a little bit and taking life a little more serious." Ended up taking the job at the bank. Um, luckily, they still had it there for me. Yeah, and um, lo- loved the banking industry. And you know, went from starting out as a doing personal loans and those sort of things to going up the, the ladder. Getting into the position of a, a bank manager. And what I loved there was I also was in charge of doing all the business loans. And so I had the opportunity to really spend a lot of time with business owners, learning about what they were doing, what they were doing right, what they were doing wrong, yeah. and really seeing um, the business side of a lot of things. And I still... I always had an itch to be doing my own thing. You know, even while I was at the bank, I started getting into real estate. I owned some apartment, um, a mini storage facility, stuff like that. And I had a client that was an entrepreneur that had some really cool companies. And one of the companies he had at the time um, was a manufactured log home um, company. And he would build these uh, log homes in a factory and then they'd ship them all over North America and put them up and it was was really cool. And so I learned a lot from him just because I loved spending time with him, hearing his stories. He had so many different companies that he had done really cool things with. And one time he, he knew I had a desire to get out and do something on my own. And one time I was sitting in his office and he had a stone catalog on his desk. And he says, you know, we put a lot of this stone on our log homes. That'd be really cool if you could figure that out. Right. And that was turning point in my life because started doing a little bit of research and I said, yeah, let's do this. And so he actually ended up being my partner and still is today. And I found a place in Missouri that taught me how to do the, how to make manufactured stone. It's the stone veneer. This is, well, it's like the artificial brick that you see mm. here that you um put see on the front of houses see on yeah. fireplaces stuff like that and i mean it's been a long road since then this was 2005 and the company's pivoted we've gone different directions in a lot of ways that we can talk about but yeah. but yeah that's kind of how we got into that and then the coaching part of it has something is something else that's evolved through that process
1: right as a As a byproduct, really, of of your experience building businesses, like, for real. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. So, when it came to moving up in the the bank job that you had, what do you think was, like, the skill set that you had or were developing that helped you, like, climb that ladder, if that makes sense?
0: I think a lot of it was people skills, relationship skills. Mm -hmm. And I think it doesn't matter what you're in. That's probably one of the most important aspects is the people skills. And... I really liked the people I was working with. Um, I had a really great boss that was there to give me opportunities.
1: That's
0: awesome. Um, I I remember one day sitting in my office thinking, you know, I want to take this to the next level. I was doing personal loans, mortgages, um, mutual fund investments, those sort of things. And I called him and just said, hey, Rob, you know, sometime could we talk about my career path? and he lived in a community about an hour away and he was in my office that afternoon and he says what are you thinking and Mm -hmm. so I told him what I wanted to do and within the next few days we kind of had it mapped out what had to happen to do it and he was really a great support for me to make that happen um, from going into the different training to getting to where I could be a, a managing my own branch
1: right that's awesome. It's cool that you like, it wasn't just hard work that, you know, got you where it was. It was also like taking the initiative and being able to have people that supported you and taking opportunities. And that's some people like only like chop things up to hard work. And, you know, some people were only like, Oh, like, well, few people are really successful say it's luck, but certainly, you know, it wasn't lucky that you had someone who supported you. Yes. But it wasn't luck that made you ask for help and ask to take things to the next level you know what i mean so it's like you have that desire to continue to grow which is probably why you ended up eventually transitioning into your manufacturing business
0: yeah and and i think a lot of that is you know there's so many times whether you're in your position as an employee or even i i witnessed this when i started kodiak mountain stone is that when i got out there doing sales it's hard to ask sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but it it gets to the point that you've just got to have the courage to ask, and that that can make all the difference in the world. Because if you don't ask, it's not going to happen.
1: That's true. <laughs> That's true. I mean, heck, this interview happened because we talked, and Absolutely. I asked, and, and here we are. So, yeah. um, so with with Kodiak, you you basically started, and you really had no experience in the industry leading up to that, right? Right. So did you like jump right in or was there like a transition period between you leaving the bank and starting up kodiak like kind of navigate us through that transition
0: yeah so i mean a lot of companies you hear started up someone was doing something in the industry and they kind of evolved and started their thing i had nothing to do with the manufactured stone or the masonry industry at all right um so that was a little different but again it went back to having a really great support team at the bank um, because I just decided to jump right in okay. and so I went to my boss and told him what my plans were mm-hmm. and
1: is this the same boss that gave you the opportunity to move up or? it was uh,
0: they, they worked together so Rob okay. that I was talking to you about he, he was considered the um, re so I had a regional vice president and then Rob was the one right under him mm. I had to go to the regional vice president, which was Rob's boss, and talk to him. And, you know, that's always a scary thing to go tell him that, you know, I'm going to make some changes and I'm going to go, I'm going to quit this job with all these benefits and I'm going to go make rocks.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you say it like that, yeah, that's, uh, it does sound a little sketchy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But uh, it was awesome. I mean, he, he basically said, you know, I knew at some point, you would do something like this. Mm-hmm. And if you ever need a job here at the bank, it's here. That's awesome. And you know, with that security behind me, that gave me so much more confidence thinking, right. you know, if I go out here and fall on my face, there is a backup plan, but, but no, I did, I gave my notice and jumped right in and yeah. it was awesome.
1: That's cool. So, so you're starting from zero. You granted you have, um, you, you partnered with your, your buddy um, to be able to grow that business in coordination with the log manufacturing, right? So what was kind of like, like we kind of talked before on the phone about kind of just talking a little bit about scaling um, employees and stuff like that. So I'm assuming right at the beginning, it was just you and your partner, right? So take us through like how that was just kind of getting that built up and like hiring your first employee.
0: So, it was, the original intent was we were going to get this, this company going. I found someone in Missouri to train me how to do it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And our original plan was to sell a bunch of stone to this log home company. Mm-hmm. Um, I go down to Missouri, learn everything. And I, I remember um, on my flight home thinking, this is snap this is so easy. This is no problem. Mm -hmm. And I get home and you know, we had to get everything put together in the factory and stuff. And once we did, I I was so excited because I thought, you know, this first stone I'm going to make, I'm going to keep forever. It's going to be the first Kodiak mountain stone product and it'll be on my shelf or whatever. And I had this specific color that I wanted because I knew it'd be a really popular color. And so Mm -hmm. that was the first thing we manufactured and we went the next day to take them out of the molds, and it was a real pretty brown, is what we were making, and this thing was pink.
1: Oh no! <laughs> <laughs>
0: and uh, that that stone is still somewhere out in the middle of a field, as far as I could throw it from the factory door. <laughs> and so what I learned there was it was a it was a lot steeper learning curve than I, what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, Employee wise, my my partner. He, he didn't get involved in the manufacturing and that part of the business. He was a great advisor on the business mm-hmm. side of things, but actually one of my first employees was his son. Oh, okay. uh, he was actually still in high school at the time, but he was able to work part-time and is actually his son and a few of his friends and it just worked really well with uh, how the manufacturing was working just to get started and stuff. Yeah. And I had another guy that was working with me full time. And so it, it it was a slow growth because that's how we had to learn it or else we were just going to be making a whole bunch of rock that was pink. Yeah, <laughs> And So, totally. so it, it worked really well that way. But um, the other part was the plan of making all this stone and selling it to this log home company didn't really come together. Okay. We sold them a little bit of stone, right. but we ended up finding a, Uh, distributor that was close to us that became our first distributor and they were selling it to home builders and um, it kind of just flourished from there and we did sell some to the log home company um, but the way that they did their sales and everything we couldn't put it on at the factory and ship it and so it had to go you know with the product and then be put on later and it it just ended up not being a great fit so it, it got us into the business but it really wasn't big part of our business
1: right are you trying to tell me that there's hurdles you have to overcome when you're building a business (laughs) so many so many and um
0: there still are there's hurdles uh within kodiak mountain stone every day now that we still face and i mean the the thing about it is it's just like anything in business or in life that you face a hurdle that can Feel like the end or the biggest yeah. hurdle you face but once you figure out how to get through it and persevere the next time you face it it's that much easier right and so it does become easier and easier as you're doing it and um the next time you've got a hurdle that you think is going to be the end of the world you can reflect on how you got through the other ones and right it's doable
1: right so you kind of have like this ragtag team of people getting started out right? a bunch of high schoolers which by most people's standards, would just eye roll at the thought of that actually helping build a business, but clearly it worked out for you, right? So at least on the short term. Yeah. So how how like walk us through a little bit like did you spend a lot of time like really trying to impart some sort of like work culture with them or like what was kind of your development process with both your full time guy and these these the high school kids? Yeah.
0: So in the beginning, um, like with any startup, you're pretty much filling every role. Mm-hmm. And so I was spending a lot of time in the factory working with these younger guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would be covered head to toe in concrete and dyes and everything and, you know, have to make a run into the bank. And all my former employees at the bank would <laughs> see me and they're like, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it actually, it worked really well because even, even though they were younger high school kids, they ended up being better workers than some of the full-time guys I got down the road. Yeah. They, they were really solid you know, they just were a unique group of kids that was really solid and um, they, they just worked hard and we had, I ended up hiring another guy that kind of came in as team leader okay. and he was, he was a good manager. He did some good things. I was trying you know, I was in the factory, I was trying to do sales, I was doing everything. And um, there was a point that I did hire a guy that his job was to get out there and, you know, build a dealer network. Yeah. And unfortunately it didn't work so well. And so I actually put my faith in the guys in the factory and said, okay, you guys have to take this on now because I've got to get out there and do the sales. Right. And so that's kind of where, what I took on and, you know, so this was in 2005. By January of 2006, we had opened another factory in Utah. So this was in Canada. Mm, okay. And so the right. second factory was in Utah. and it it was uh, it wasn't a very long period between the first and the second opening, but we learned a lot. Um, you know, everything I started the factory in Canada was how I learned it. And there's a lot of manual um, things that in Utah we were able to put systems and things in place that made it a lot easier, put a batch plant in and stuff. And I got really lucky down there, um, hired some great people that ended up being great leaders for us down there. Yeah. And so I, I ended up spending a lot of time going back and forth between Utah and Canada, especially during that startup time. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was, it was uh, trying to build the culture of, you know, having a, having pride in what we were building um, because the hard part was here these guys were in a dirty factory all day making this stone and not realizing what the end product really was turning out to be. Yeah. Um, I mean they saw it of course but not as much on the buildings and stuff like that. And so one of the things that I did was we started putting a lot of pictures up in the factories. Showing you know this. Beautiful home yeah. that's got our stone on it, and also getting guys out and seeing projects so that they started to see what the end product looked like. Right. That you know, it's starting as a bunch of concrete here, but it ends up on a multi million dollar home and looks beautiful, right? So
1: uh-huh. it, they
0: started really taking some pride in what they were doing then.
1: Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, you're, I don't know, you know, your involvement on the post end of things, but there's something exciting about seeing like you know, the light in a customer's eye when like something comes together that they're really excited about and so be able to have that experience is something that you got to have but not everyone else which is really cool exactly. that you were able to share that with them because certainly, um, it, you know, it only becomes more and more true with, you know, the younger generations coming up is, is having purpose in what they're doing is so huge. You know what I mean? To be able to give them that, that you're not just boring concrete. You know what I mean? You're like making people super happy, super pumped. What you're creating is beautiful and amazing. Like that's got to feel good. (laughs) Way more than just like, yeah, good job today. You poured, you know, 10 gallons, you know, or (laughs) or thousand gallons. Clearly I don't manufacture stone. So I don't know how much is a lot, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like it's, that's cool that you were able to really encourage them and and develop your team that way. Well, you know, something even last night that was really cool. And
0: I hope that my team sees this. Was I was on Facebook and I saw someone share a link to Bed and Breakfast mm. because it was an amazing place. It's a castle. Oh wow! And as soon as I saw it, I hadn't even read any of the content or anything. And I looked at it. And I'm like, oh, that's Charles House. I knew who it was because oh, it was yeah. our product on it. Oh, awesome! And so then I obviously got into it and read it and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, it's this guy built himself a castle. That is so <laughs> and cool. It is so cool. And um, just knowing, hey, we made all that stone because there's not an inch on the exterior of that house that isn't stone.
1: That's amazing. And
0: uh, it just looks like a big castle. It's up in uh, central Alberta and it's
1: really cool. I say, really, to get a castle, you got to go to like Spain or something like that. And that's Spain or central Alberta. That's that's a little (laughs) little far for me, but yes, certainly you could just build your own castle. So you. So, uh, you talked about how, at least when we talked earlier, you talked about how you transitioned from uh, manufacturing to more distribution, right? You felt like that was a great transition. Now, I would venture to say that a lot of people really have a lot of challenges with transitions, um, whether it's uh, maybe being like a little stuck on what they're doing or, you know, having too much pride and like, oh, like, no, this is what I do or or just not even seeing the signs that it's time to transition, but you did. And so walk us through a little bit about like, what were some of the kind of the signs you were seeing and, and how do you think you successfully made that switch? Sure. I actually, it's,
0: it's kind of unique with, with Kodiak we've had to transition a number of times. Mm. Um, but just talking about that change, the first part was right in the beginning. When, you know, I talked about I was doing everything. I was doing the sales, I was taking the POs, I was fulfilling POs and, you know, handling everything. And it got to the point that I obviously needed someone else helping me on that, but it was really hard to let go. Thinking, well, can I really train them to do it right? Are they gonna do a good job? That sort of thing. Are they gonna care as much as you do? Yeah, exactly. And, And I really had a hard time with that delegation and, and just letting go mm. and the nice thing was we brought some brought some people in and I was able to do some of that delegation and of course it was like you know not not sure if I was gonna do it or not yeah and the cool part was they did it better than I had ever done it and so it was and that was a confidence booster for me to and a, and a lesson learned that you know if you bring the right people together and put a team together that you've got to be able to have confidence in them and yeah. they'll, they'll do their job and so that that helped me a lot but then uh, so originally we were focused on the southern Alberta market then we opened in Utah and we really wanted to get expanded in the US hmm. and so we were doing a lot of things and we were we were getting all over the place and it was doing really good and then also in 2008 happened and that was, that was rough and it really set us back and we ended up having to pivot the company at that point and we pulled out of the US a lot on mm-hmm. what we were doing and kind of put our focus right back there at home. I, I was living in Canada and it really made us reevaluate how we were doing things. And one of the things that we did at that time was we decided to go from being strictly a manufacturer to also a distributor. So we yeah. opened some of our own stores. Right, And when we did that, um, you know, obviously we had the product, we wanted to sell it. But my thought was if a customer walks in here and decides they don't want our product, I don't want them walking out. Yeah. So I had to look at what else we were going to do. And so then we brought in natural stone, we brought in brick, we brought in acrylic stucco, started bringing in those things. But then I also started looking at, well, what if they want manufactured stone and ours isn't a good fit for them. Right. So then I also went to some of our competitors and said, we want to distribute your product. Yeah. And you know, that kind of raised some eyebrows at the beginning, like oh, sure. <laughs> okay, well, you're a competitor. Why, why are you talking to us about selling our product? Yeah. Um, but we ended up being able to put some deals together and it actually ended up working really well. And so through time, Uh, That's kind of what we've done is we had our product, we had um, some of our competitors' products and then the other products like the natural stone, the brick and those sort of things. Um, And still, uh, winter was our hard part because, you know, there's not a lot of stone that goes on during the winter in Canada. Yeah, I imagine the construction (laughs) slows down a bit. (laughs) So, uh, that was always our struggle because, you know, our factory was still in Utah. Um, by this time, actually we had moved all our production to Utah and it was, uh, it was hard because once winter hit, our sales would slow down, but our overheads were still there. Yeah. And so actually in, um, December of 17, we took another look at things and decided, you know, what, we've got to the point that we've got to decide what we're really doing and what we're um, what our strengths are and we'd been working with these other our what I considered our competitors yeah, and really made us look at things and realize you know if if you go by what Jim Collins talks about and what can you be the best in the world at or even what can you be the best in your industry at right and we were never gonna be the manufacturers that these big guys were They were mammoth compared compared to what we were right um there's a lot of benefits that we had doing our own manufacturing because we could we were small enough that we we could shift and move quickly on things but there was a lot of things that we couldn't do that the big guys could number one economies of scale sure and so as we look at things and realize that you know it's costing us to produce for pretty close to what it's costing us to buy from these big guys you know why? Why are we producing ourselves? Right. And so it took a lot of a lot of time to really figure out what we were going to do, but we did decide to get out of the manufacturing and focus solely on distribution. Right. And you know, I think. Well, I know it's been a good decision. Um, it it was uh, it was a tough decision to make because you know from 2005 to 2017 that's what we were. Yeah. But uh, it was the right thing to do with where we were at and it's been a good move. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, yeah. Transitions are hard and, uh, thankfully you guys are able to navigate that well and, uh, make that, that change and adjustment and be willing, um, to set down something that defined you guys for so long, you know, with the, the manufacturing. Yeah. Um, so just, to kind of wrap up like that part of what you do like w- w- how do you see the the company you know 5 years from now like what does that look like for you guys So we're
0: we're actually I mean the reason I live here in Arizona now is because of Kodiak Mountain Stone um and winter yes <laughs> because you know obviously there's a better winter market for us here mm-hmm. than there is in a lot of the other places that we are and you know we've done a number of things um, to get back into the U.S. market a little more, and it's it's been good, but not in a big way. And so, wanting to get back into the market, this is the right place to do it. And there are a lot of great things happening in in Arizona, um, and we've got a lot of great contacts here, and we really think we're going to be able to have a big impact here, um, doing some good things. We've got we're just in the middle of some deals right now to get a few things set up, and once that does um, all come together, I think we're going to be able to have a big presence here in Arizona, as well as have this as a distribution point to get to a lot of our customers that we've dealt with in the past that we haven't so much now, just because we haven't had such a big presence here. Right. And so I really think um, over the next five years we'll see a lot of growth of Kodiak Mountain Stone. Um, starting here and here in Arizona but growing um, out from there
1: yeah the amount of people moving here is just crazy yeah crazy well, I've heard everything like 200 a day last year yeah yeah it's crazy I would not be surprised I I mean so I've lived here my whole life uh-huh. and you know it, you, things are always expanding out you know people got to move somewhere um, you know, you always hear like, oh, like so many people are moving here, blah, blah, blah. And you know, like you don't always see it, especially when you live in the middle of Phoenix, because like, there's only so much more housing you can put in the middle of the city, right outside of high rises. So um, doing some of the AV work that I did, you know, I started going out to the west side, out in, you know, the Verado area, you know, Buckeye, Goodyear. And it's just like, Oh my gosh! Where did all this come from? There's yeah. like a million homes here, and it's like, oh, that's where everyone's going, yeah. <laughs> you know. And it's, uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, not even ten years ago, you know, you could, you know, get past like, you know, 180th Avenue, and there'd be nothing there, and like now it's like full on retirement communities, like new, new homes, new families, and it's just like, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it has been impressive to watch. So let's go and transition now to so you, you know you have, you've had all this business experience you've hired people you've transitioned companies all this other jazz now you've decided to get into business coaching and and helping people out right um how, did that kind of happen organically did people just start reaching out to you for advice or is this something you've kind of like intentionally decided to build and really like not necessarily give back but maybe um but just kind of have this experience you now have to be able to actually leverage and give people real advice as opposed to people that are just giving advice. And, uh, like, how, how's that, how's that happened for you?
0: It's kind of been a little bit of both. Um, cause I have had, I mean, throughout the years, even in the early years of running Kodiak, I've had people come to me talking to me about business advice and mm-hmm. helping them work through some things. And also because it's something that I've always had a desire to do and Dave, my CFO that, um, one of my partners, I've talked to him a lot about it. And I I guess a lot of it too is, um, the fact that I know throughout my business career, I've made a lot of mistakes, made mistakes that, um, you know, we, maybe it was, I misjudged something or it was just something that I thought was going to go great and it didn't. Um, but we've we've lear- learned a lot of lessons doing it. And Dave and I have talked about that a lot, just talking about, you know, we've got so much experience that we can help people. Yeah. And not that everyone needs help, knowing what, not, what mistakes not to make in manufacturing or whatever, but just in business in general. But, you know, after being in business this long, being in banking, uh, I've got a diverse background and had a lot of experience that I enjoy sharing. And so it was actually one day that Dave talked to me and said, you know, you've always talked about wanting to get into coaching.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, and so Dave actually, he start he was with me full time as a CFO and just an incredible guy that can put systems into places in a company that does amazing things. And he basically, did it with our company to a point that he worked himself out of a full-time job.
1: Right. Which is what you're kind of (laughs) supposed to do, but like,
0: (laughs) yeah. And so what he realized is it was a talent that he had. And so he created his own company that he was basically a, like a part-time CFO for a number of companies. And Mm, he's, he's done exceptional with that. And so he told me, he says, I've got a, client that is a coach that I think you should meet and talk to and so I had the opportunity to sit down with him and one of the things he just he says then you know why aren't you doing it yeah and just got me thinking and thought you know this is an opportunity that I really could help some people and do something that I really enjoy doing yeah and so I've intentionally put more effort into it in the in the last year or so and have really enjoyed it it's it's Something just like I talked about back when I was in banking, being able to sit down with a client and go through their business and help them make some changes or whatever. Um, Kind of the same thing now, just with a lot more experience behind me now.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it's so awesome. I mean, like you don't have to open up Instagram for like 30 seconds to find like a bunch of 20 year olds giving like life and business advice. And so it's it's nice to know. and, And I think that's probably why I wanted to spend as much time as I did talking about kind of the history of Kodiak because it's like, you really have done a lot. You've been around for a while. You've like had a lot of experiences, both good and, and bad as you said. And and certainly bad experiences are only bad if you don't learn from them and you have, right? Obviously right. you're, you know, um, you wouldn't be here today, you know, coach people about it, you know what I mean? So that's really neat that you have that to draw on and have like legit experience um, to share. Uh, you you made a comment earlier when you were talking about um, when you got in the banking and and you learned a lot of the mistakes that business owners were making and in, and in, in helping them out just even back then. Yeah. Um, did you find that there was like some common threads of the like things that business owners dealt with that like was a challenge for them or like w- was there any commonalities at all?
0: I think back then um, a lot of it, at least what I was dealing with, I, I was in. Southern Alberta, small communities. And a lot of what I saw was people not really understanding how to market Mm -hmm. and the things they needed to do to market their business properly without spending a ton of money. Right. And that's something I still deal with today as a coach.
1: Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, do you, are you comfortable with being specific? Like what kind of thing, like, so you say they had trouble marketing, like, did they not understand their market? Did they just not know how to like... Like put stuff out there that got seen and recognized and was, you know, engaging or like what kind of issues did they have?
0: Um, back then it, a lot of it was not understanding, not understanding who, who their target market was, who they should be marketing to and how they should be doing it. Now what I see a lot is, I, I guess one of, one of the biggest things is everyone, most businesses now have a website mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people I work with that They've got their website, they've spent a ton of money on it, and they haven't even looked at it in five years. Yeah. And, you know, a website is such a powerful tool if you use it right, Mm -hmm. but if a customer comes to it and he's not someone that's going to buy from you right now, what are you doing to make sure that you're still going to stay in their orbit so that if, when they do become a now buyer, they're still going to be thinking of you. Right. And so there's a lot of things you can do on their websites to make sure that you're keeping those people close to you until it comes time for them to become a client. Um, That's probably one of the biggest examples that I see over and over is utilizing the websites properly and things that they can do that it's not going to take a bunch of money and they can really take advantage of it.
1: Yeah. And, and, and even just doing a, a little bit of research that I did on you before you showed up, like you totally practice what you preach on the website because like I, I was just flipping through your blog, and it's like you're posting like at least once a week, is what it looks like. Like not just like an idea or a little thought. Like they're like full on blog posts. They're like huge, which I'm imagining is great for SEO, um, and just super helpful stuff. Like everything you put on is like super helpful, in depth, like knowledgeable. It's not just like you're just throwing something out there to throw it out there, which I thought was really cool.
0: Well, thanks. Um, I. I admire, I've admired the books you've got on your shelf here, and that's one thing i really, since actually going back to the banking when I talked about Rob,
1: mm-hmm. he's
0: the one that got me into reading. Okay. And so I've always been into self-development and stuff like that, and I try to take courses a lot and different things. And Russell Brunson, who owns ClickFunnels. Yes, okay. Um, I was taking one of his courses a while ago, and Steve Larson, who's one of the instructors, one of the things he says is, you, you've got to start publishing, you've got to start publishing. Whether it's uh, Facebook Live, whether it's a blog post, whatever it is. And yeah, that wasn't something I was comfortable with. Sure. And one of the things that kind of got me going ahead with it was, he says, you know what? The fact is, you start now, no one's going to be reading it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> he says, start publishing, get in the habit, you're going to get better at it, you're going to be able to put better content together. And you'll look back at your first ones and think, what was I doing? (laughs) But it really is. It's something I've tried to make sure that I put something once a week. And it's been good um, not only to be able to put that content out there, but it's something that, you know, to put something good out there, it requires some thought and effort. And so it makes me spend some time thinking about whatever that topic is I'm going to write about. And so, yeah, it's, Hopefully people are getting good stuff out of it, mm-hmm. but it's been good for me too, because, and and usually what it is, it's something that I've been dealing with a client and they're dealing with an issue. And so it's something that's really on my mind and I've been trying to think about it and put some effort into it. And then right. I'll try to put something together to write about it.
1: That's cool. Yeah, it's, uh. The nice thing is, too, the more more you make, the more it buries that crap that you made at the very beginning. It's like, literally, you can't find it because that's like 100 that's like hundred blog posts deep. You know what I mean? Like, after a year, you know, you've got 52 posts, and then that way, hopefully, no one ever finds that exactly. terrible beginning one. Um, that's, that's really cool. What other things are you doing? Um, so, you're doing the blog posts, which are awesome. What other kind of things are working for you as far as, like, marketing that you've really seen, like, positive results from?
0: So, I, I, do, I do the blog posts. Um, I also do, I've got a weekly, um, I call it my inner circle mastermind. Mm-hmm. And I've got some great members in there. And what I do is I also record that. And because anyone in the mastermind group that doesn't get to watch it, they get to watch the replay or whatever. Right. And I'll take clips from that and put them out on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. And those seem to get some good replies, too, because it's just like the blog posts. Usually the topics that we talk about in the mastermind are things that people are dealing with right now. Right. And so they're, they're applicable to usually more than that individual. Right. And so they're good that way. And, you know, that's been good, too, because as people see those, I get more people that are interested in joining the mastermind. And, you know, as, as a mastermind I think the more people you can have involved in it that you can give feedback to one another, the better off you're going to be. Um, I I look at the power of a mastermind is I remember right as I was going through one of the transitions with Kodiak Mountain Stone, I was at a business conference in Hawaii and I was trying to figure out a few things on how to proceed and I was sitting with a lady that owned a scrapbooking company and she was telling a story about some things that she did in her company when she pivoted. And I thought, it was kind of like the light went off. I'm like, that'll work for me. And so the fact that some things that I've done with Kodiak Mountain Stone came from an idea from a scrapbook company. Who would have thought? Yeah, exactly. So it kind of shows the power of a mastermind. And that's what I like about the mastermind is I get people from different industries, different businesses that can give each other feedback Mm -hmm. and you know we've got our private Facebook group that they can give each other feedback on on any topics whether it's something we talked about or not they can just get on there and say hey I'm doing this does anyone have any thoughts on it right so that's been really cool Um, then besides that as I as I mentioned I've got my coaching that I do the one on ones Uh, we've got some team coaching and then I've got a online coaching program as well Mm -hmm. that I use I call it our e-learning marketing system that we use it with the majority of our one-on-one people that we coach but also i've got people that don't really want to get into the one-on-one coaching or they don't can't afford to get into the one-on-one coaching Sure. but the e-learning marketing system is a great tool for them to kind of get the coaching and support they need to right. go
1: and isn't usually team um coaching usually a bit more affordable too is that kind of like the idea that like yeah yeah um, which is super nice and like certainly i mean as you know learning from books is really good and there's always some nugget of information or hopefully multiple (laughs) that you can get from a book but sometimes you really do need that like very specific advice Mm -hmm. where it's like no like I'm literally trying to do this one thing I need to know how to do it and I need someone to look at the numbers and (laughs) make an assessment right rather than just like hearing like a good idea or like a cool idea or a concept um that maybe you get from a book but certainly I would I would never think, no no offense to scrapbookers, but I would never think to reach out to them for like crazy <laughs> advice, but you know what I mean? like for a rock company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so sure enough, uh, it worked out that way, yeah. and uh, it's funny how the little things can create amazing ideas and opportunities yeah, just doing absolutely. that. Granted, you had to go to Hawaii to do that. <laughs> had, had to go to Right. Well, right. Yeah. I'm sure it was a real struggle, but you know what I mean? But I mean, still, you you know, you had to take the time out, you had to make the investment and, and even just the idea that you're going, um, to seek knowledge and help and all that is just another testament to why you've succeeded the way you've succeeded. Um, so uh, a question for the masterminds, let's just say someone's like starting up, they're new in the game, right? Because a mastermind, you kind of assume that, um, have something to offer, right? And so everyone there has something to offer. So maybe someone's newer to the game. What would be your suggestion for them? Would it be to jump into mastermind and just be like a good listening ear? Or would you suggest more of like the coaching route until someone's built something in which they have more to contribute? Or is that is contribution really not as um a barrier to entry as I think it is?
0: Um not necessarily, not with the masterminds, because there's so many things that happen in the mastermind that, you know, just like a book, it might be a good listen. You might not you might not even say a word during the mastermind. Um, I have a lot of, like I think I mentioned it, that aren't able to get on the live call and so they just listen to the replay. Yeah. And, you know, I'll get emails from them saying the value they got out of it and whatnot. But it's gonna be, you know, that one time that all of a sudden, you have something specific you want to talk about yeah. that you can bring up or someone else brings something up that you think hey i never thought of that 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 worked for me too yeah so really um i don't know the mastermind is i think a, an excellent tool for people that you know if it's very different than the one-on-one coaching mm-hmm. um because it doesn't get as specific to your situation sure. and stuff and I've got, um, I wouldn't know the percentage or the numbers, but a lot of the people that I do the one-on-one coaching with are actually part of the mastermind as well, uh, which works really well because, you know, they can share a lot of their thoughts and stuff that we've talked about in the one-on-one coaching. But with the masterminds, um, no, there's not a lot of barriers to that because there's so much knowledge on so many different topics that get shared.
1: Right. That's Uh, awesome. So on a more personal note, maybe you don't want to share, but w- w- like <laughs> I, I always ask people like what what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like what to you is like your driver, like your motivator that like you like open your eyes and you're like super pumped. Maybe you're not, I don't know. Like some people it's a struggle some day, you know, more than some days, more than others. Um, but uh, what, what do you think gets you, like, what gets you fired up? I guess is a better question. I,
0: you know, I think the, the fact that I know that, whether it's something I'm doing with Kodiak or something I'm doing on the coaching side that you know knowing that what we do matters
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what what I do on a daily basis impacts more than myself in both Kodiak Mountain Stone and in my coaching yeah. and you know like right now I'm doing things with Kodiak Mountain Stone that when they finally all come together I I'm, I'm just so excited about what we have happening um On a daily basis, yeah, there's some frustrations and how long things are taking and stuff, but the excitement of putting the deals together, putting, bringing it all together to create something, I I guess that's what it is. Being able to create things is what gets me excited, and you know, even on the coaching side, creating outcomes and helping helping people create their own outcomes. you know, I, I was on a call with a client last week and partway during the call, it was just like he had an epiphany from things we had been talking about. And he, and he said something, the fact that that's why I have you helping me because, you know, I need these things to get me through. And yeah, those are the things that excite me. Yeah. You know, being able to help create.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think being someone who does the visual creation with the, um, the video, um, it's always funny to me because I feel like some people think that unless you're making something tangible, you know, whether it's a, a painting or a video or a photograph or, um, a scrapbook, you know, that somehow that's not creating, but I, you know, I very much disagree. You know, I think yeah. building a business is creating, I think, um, you know, they say you know, creating company culture—that is creating. You know, yeah. you're 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 taking something that doesn't exist and making it for the very first time. Even if it's like you know, it's still unique to you. Even if it's like you know, obviously, lots of people built companies, but each one is unique in the way it functions and feels and operates and what it does. Um, and that's cool that you've found that creativity in making something, even though it's not something tangible per se. I mean, I guess you're you're manufacturing there, you know, but um, it's just really cool.
0: That's even, I, I coach high school basketball as well. And it's the same thing that when you're working with a player and you can see some potential that they have in them and they're not there. But when they all sudden click and they can figure it out
1: and you know, you've helped them get to that next level. It's, it's rewarding. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your story and everything else with us. Hopefully, um, I'm sure that someone will benefit from this. Hope and so. um, I know I certainly did. I enjoyed it. And I um, hope you enjoyed telling your story and uh, sharing that information with people. So thank you so much. Um, and uh, thank you guys for watching and for seeing the Digital Hustle Show. And um, be sure to... Comment or share and send emails or whatever and get a hold of us. Um, if you could share, what is a couple of good ways for people to get a hold of you? Absolutely.
0: So, a <clears throat> couple, can I share a few websites? Oh, absolutely. So, Kodiak Mountain Stone is kodiakmountain.com. Um, then for myself, it's Jeff jeffheggie, J-E-F-F-H-E-G-G-I-E.com. That's where my blog is and a lot of my information. Um, you can find out about the mastermind there. And then JeffHegyBusiness.com as well is where a lot of my coaching information is.
1: And you have links on at least I know of Jeffheggy.com that you have like your book, your ebook, yeah. right that you're giving away. So that's like a, that would be really like a really cool re- resource. That one was called Finding Ten Thousand Dollars in Any Business in Forty Five Minutes yep, or something okay. like that. Absolutely. Okay. okay. And it's it's
0: a book of just some of the marketing strategies I use in my coaching. And yeah, if you go to uh, jeffhagey.com, uh, there's a link there that you can get that. It's a it's a free download. And also, I guess, I'm on all social media, but probably the one I'm most active on is Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that's actually Entrepreneur Next Door. Or if you just search Jeff Hagey, that'll come up as well.
1: Cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank, Thank you. you. Appreciate it.